Okay. Oh, perfect. There we go. Hello, everybody. Ooh. There we go. Okay. We'll just destroy the stage in the process. It's fine. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Crossroads. So, oh my gosh. Hi. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I need to catch my breath for a second. So, my name is Sarah Corey. Um, I attend both campuses, um, but at Crossroads in general, um, I've served on the production team. Uh, I'm sure you've seen me on stage here. Um, and one of my favorite things that I get to do is I get to serve with uh, your youth students. Um, not all of them here, uh, but I do serve uh, a couple. I get to serve with the Webster kiddos, love them. Um, and I get to serve with Dino. Um, and with regards to Dino, he is on my youth worship team. I am the youth worship coordinator at the UNTA campus. Uh, so that means that I just get to help with the scheduling, uh, just get to uh, work alongside and serve them as we serve their peers. Um, and it's just one of the coolest things that I get to do. Um, so, I'm also a Weber State student. Uh, I am going to be majoring in art education, and then I will getting, be getting a minor in Japanese. Um, if you are curious how those two fit together, I am too. <laughs> um, you're not alone. Uh, as for why I'm up here, that is thanks to the Geilers. So, both Rob and Andrea um, individually had asked me uh, to give this message specifically. Um, and so I'm just going to get into a little bit about how I got up here. Um, I'm not traditionally a speaker. Uh, I'm much more comfortable <laughs> behind a mic doing worship. Um, but God has something to share to, uh, to, with you and to you this evening. So last year, Andrea asked me to speak at our women's retreat um, for like a seven-minute message. Uh, it was not my first message. I've done a seven-minute message at the Uinta campus before. Um, and she had given me the option to pray about it. And I knew, though, in that moment that I was being invited into something so much bigger, um, so much bigger than myself. And in preparing for this message, Jesus kind of clued me in that this was not a message that's just meant for the women at the retreat. Um, this message is for everybody. Um, and I didn't know what that meant in preparing the seven-minute message, but I don't think I anticipated <laughs> giving a message on a Sunday morning, that's, or evening in this case as well. Um, so yeah, uh, in the final stages of preparing for this message, uh, I was reminded of another nudge that I had received um, from the Lord. During the retreat, while well, a bunch of us uh, young adult women were um, in a nice tangle of tears, as we like to call it, uh, <laughs> uh, during a time of prayer, Pastor Shannon had come up um, and spoke prayer, like spoke words, <laughs> wow, spoke words of encouragement um, over all of us. Um, and the one that she had spoken over me uh, was that I was not meant to be in the background any longer. Um, she said I was being called forward. Uh, Rob had been serving uh, the ladies as the um, running a sound and tech, um, and so he got to listen in to my message, um, and he uh, was kind of cheering me on throughout my message, giving me some like fist bumps, and you're like, dude, like I see you up there. <laughs> um, 
but it was super encouraging. And afterwards, um, as we were tearing everything down, setting things up for a Sunday morning, uh, he asked me to talk before, um, before I left for the day. And I kind of knew what it was about. It, I, that nudge that Jesus had given me earlier came to mind. <laughs> and so um, when I came to say, like, hey, like, I'm done, like, I'm ready to go, uh, he's like, okay, cool. Do you want to do this on a Sunday morning? I'm like, I just gave you a seven-minute message, my dude. Like, you want me to do this for 30 minutes? <laughs> That's not my comfort zone. Um, but I didn't say no. So uh, he also gave me the opportunity to pray about it, and um, I did take that opportunity uh, gladly. Um, Though I knew it was not a one-time message, uh, I wanted to be absolutely certain uh, of what I was being asked to do. A few weeks later, I ran into Rob uh, at Cafe Mercantile, and he followed up with his request. Needless to say, I agreed, And then he asked if I would do Ogden as well. (laughs) Um, He had spoken with Crystal, and uh, she had the heart to have this message spoken here as well. So I get to share this with you guys, too, which is super exciting. Um, But yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get into that. That was just a little introduction on what's going on here, why I'm up here and not Crystal or someone you're familiar with. (laughs) Um, But... In high school, uh, in either my junior or senior year, my art teacher had given us a assignment to create a stained glass mosaic. She had found these old schoolhouse windows with wooden frames, um, and she had a box of broken pieces of glass, much like this one. It was bigger, um, but much like this one. And this project was one I didn't want to take lightly. Um, most of you, when you think of stained glass, you think of um, churches or cathedrals, uh, and there's a reason stained glass was put in such places. Um, they, stained glass windows kind of give an elevation of space, and they are known to create a spiritual atmosphere. I wanted to honor the medium, And I didn't want to do something too complicated, but I also didn't want to do something simple or novel. So, in searching for a project, um, I came across a prodigy artist. Her name is Akiane Karamek, or sorry, Kramek? Yeah. And um, she's somebody that I was introduced to when I was young. Um, Either, I'm pretty sure it's probably middle school age. And she is about a year older than I am. And, uh, but she's an American artist and poet. And when I was little, my grandmother had taken me to one of her shows. Um, and so in searching for my uh, inspiration for what I wanted to do with my piece, um, I found this painting. Um, this painting, if you'll throw that slide up for me, is called The Prince of Peace. It's P-E-A-C-E. Um, we'll get to Prince of P-I-E-C-E later. Uh, P-I-E-C-E, yeah. Um, and if you'll just throw the painting up for me real quick. Thank you. Okay, so this is the Prince of Peace. Um, this painting, she painted when she was eight years old. Eight. Like, I, you can't tell, but this picture up close 
you have like all these like hairs, they're like individual hairs, and it's just, it's an amazing painting, especially for an eight-year-old. This was done in 2003. Um, this is a painting that she did because she had a vision of Jesus uh, when she was very young, and so she just thought she would recreate this image that she had. This painting has always struck a chord with me. There's something so authentic about the way she captured Jesus' kindness and his genuine intentionality. When I saw this painting, I knew what I wanted to do, but we'll come back to that. Now, you may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with me? What does this painting, what do mosaics have to do with me? Um, I found a lot of symbolism um, in creating this piece, and Jesus has been sharing his love for me in various ways um, through this piece of art in both the creation of it and then just looking at it over time. Um, he's revealed to me so many truths um, in the symbolism. So um, I didn't know the extent of what he wanted me to do with these things uh, until I woke up the same night that Andrea had asked me uh, to speak. And Jesus started to piece everything together um, that he was having me compile for nearly a decade. So we're going to step back from this for a moment. I want to show you some of the symbolism Jesus revealed to me. So this, both of these, oh, I think I have three. I think we're just going to use these two for now. So these are just sheets of glass, and um, you can get these at Hobby Lobby. They're not very expensive, um, but let me tell you, they're so exciting when you're an artist. Uh, <laughs> so um, with these, I would like to go ahead and just present that these are going to represent you and I this evening. So I have this beautiful piece of orange glass. This one's my favorite because it's my favorite color. Um, I also have this one. You can't super tell in this lighting, but it's, it's like a darker purple. And with each of these pieces of glass, you have um, things about it that are very inherent. It's just what it comes with. It is purple. It has these um, waves in the way that it was created. Um, it's not perfectly flat. There's some bubbles in it, and it's glass. These things are not going to change. So you may look like this, or you might look like this, or maybe you're blue, or green, or maybe you're just transparent, or maybe you're white. Whatever you look like, whatever you choose your piece to look like, there's so many things that we could be. This piece is how it starts. This is how I've received these pieces of glasses, um, just as a sheet. And we all kind of start life off like this. We have so many options. We can pick and choose things, and we kind of find ourselves narrowing down who we are. We kind of figure out who God's created us to be, but also the things that we like, the things we dislike. So in this, there are things that we decide that we like and that we do not like. But then the world also has its say too. We get this beautiful piece of glass and we see that there's something off. There's something that we don't necessarily like. 
And often it's because of the things that the people say around us, the people um, that we either love or sometimes people that just are, happen to be in our lives. And they say things that hurt. And things happen in our lives. We lose things or there's betrayal or hurt. And all of those things are not going to go away. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. This glass is fragile. If I dropped it, it would break. It doesn't take much to change it, but perspectives on the glass do not change the fact that this piece is orange. It has beautiful um, color differentiation in it. It's not perfectly flat, um, and it's it's a piece of glass. Those things aren't going to change. There are things about you that cannot be changed by the perspectives of others or even your own perspective. We all have things that we grew up being told and then believing about ourselves. For me, I grew up believing that I would never be a bold person. I held on to my timidity and fear of being in the spotlight. I'm not actually in the spotlight this time. I was this morning, so this is actually not that bad. Uh, (laughs) And the comments of others actually cultivated that. Sarah's a quiet girl. You wouldn't notice her unless you're looking for her. Things like that. The changes you and I would make cannot change the attributes that God made in us. Betrayal, loss, addiction, and hurt, those things can. Those things change you. They hurt. Even God makes his changes. He sees the humanity that we hold on to, the sin we struggle with, and he comes to us so tenderly and lovingly to remove what does not belong. He chips away at the things that keep us from being used by him in the fullness he intends. One of the many things that has changed me is having moved around many times in my life. I made and lost a lot of friends, and the idea of stability was often very foreign to me. Many of my friends have friends from when they were very little, and that's something I will never have. I will never have somebody that I grew up with uh, other than my sister. She's wonderful. Um, But that's something that has changed me. That's something that has shaped me. And I know that there are things that have changed and shaped you. I have seen it in my friends and in my family, the things that happen um, that they aren't really something expected. Sometimes they are. Um, And most of the times they're not. Um, And I think you all know those things that hurt, Um, those things that you go through that you know deep down inside there's nothing you can do about, but it doesn't change that it hurts. It doesn't change that your perspective has been changed on the rest of your life. And it feels a lot like Now, the glass didn't change in color. 
The glass didn't change in texture. There's still bubbles in it. Um, the glass didn't change. At, it didn't change that it's glass. But it does not look or feel the same. In fact, it's sharp and it's dangerous. If we aren't careful, this could and would hurt someone. We look at this and cannot see a clear use or purpose. And yet God does this. He, without question, takes hold of you in your most sharp and dangerous moments. He is not scared of you. God sees purpose and usefulness in this piece, in your piece. He isn't scared of the sharp edges at all. And I want to show you a different kind of mosaic, just briefly. Stories are also mosaics. They're mosaics of words. Each word is necessary and intentional. And the people who wrote the Bible were all broken. And God wrote through their brokenness. Saul, who some of us know as Paul, was very big in his own eyes. He believed that he had the right and duty to persecute God's people. He thought he was right. That is, until God blinded him. And when that happened, he had no reason, before that, before that happened, he had no reason to seek out the truth. He had no reason to make himself any different. Things were going great for him. But after he regained his sight, he didn't wish it back. He didn't try to glue his piece back together. He was glad to be rid of what God had taken from him. Sometimes things in life happen to us from another point, like for Joseph. And that's not Jesus' father that I'm referring to. I'm referring to Joseph early on in the Bible. His brother sold him into slavery, and Potiphar's wife slandered him. But he was not too broken to be used for God, used for redemption by God. Jesus' mother, Mary, stood before an angel, unmarried and betrothed, in a culture that would stone her for adultery or even the suspicion of it. When asked for the hammer, she held the hammer. She had a yes and she had a no. She could have kept it and said no. When she was asked for the hammer that would break her social image, this hammer being the conception of Christ, she handed it over with little question. She wanted God to do what he willed. So she actively became a part of her own reshaping. Jesus took part in this too. He never tried to be greater than the Father, and he humbled himself to come and be with us. He was given a body of flesh and blood. He was mocked and ridiculed. People did not believe him. He was sent to die on a cross. He was beaten and bruised. But the difference is this. 
he was not broken. Though he was given a body that was broken, he himself was never broken. He always retained the qualities and attributes that God gave him, that he had because he was fully man and fully God. He was never a solid piece of glass, brittle and frail. His character was unwavering. His faith was faultless. And he was determined to be obedient so that you and I could stand before the Father and see with our own eyes his love for us. Jesus is the mortar that holds us together. He is fully God and fully man. What looked like breaking to the world and to us became the very thing that holds us together. In John 3, 16 through 17, this is one we're all pretty familiar with, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, your experiences in life, the experiences that Paul and Mary and Joseph had, they affect you. They affected them. But who God made is not going to change. In Romans 12, 2, he tells us to not be conformed to this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so that we may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect, the will of God. God's will is not that you would break. He doesn't sit there and go, mm, I think you need to be a little smaller. I think that this needs to change about you. There are things that we hold on to that are not part of what he's created, but he doesn't want you to break. He doesn't want you to hurt, just like any parent doesn't want their kid to cry or struggle. I'm going to show you what his will looks like in a bit. But this piece is still usable. Your piece still has purpose. That can't change. It's kind of the concept of if you break your leg or your arm, that doesn't become who you are. If I broke my arm, I wouldn't be the girl with a broken arm. My name would still be Sarah. My identity isn't going to change because of what's happened to me. You also are not what you have lost. We can certainly fight it and disagree. I have those moments all the time. I try to tell God who I am, but I get a very interesting response every time, and it's very much like this verse in Romans 9. On the contrary, who are you to talk back to God? Well, what is formed to the one who formed it? Ask, why did you make me like this? Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump of one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? This piece has gone through a lot, but it's still the same color. It has, it's still translucent. You can see through it. It's still glass. What makes this piece, your piece, my piece, Useful is not you or me. Alone, we can do nothing. Without the project that my teacher gave me, the pieces of glass that sat in a box were just pieces of glass. They didn't have purpose. There was nothing for them. 
It was once I was given a task in the pieces that it all came together. The purpose became clear. The same is true of us. We have to give our pieces to God. He alone knows the perfect plan for them. We can try and try to make them fit elsewhere, but there's no place that can fit them quite like this. This is the mosaic I made in high school. Let me tell you, this is the most incredible piece I have ever created. This piece of art is, it isn't just mine. And I think that's my favorite part about it. If you ask many artists, they're going to tell you all the flaws and things that are wrong with their pieces. They're going to tell you, oh, but I wish I would have used this, or I wish I had this medium. I wish I could have done something different. There's nothing I would change about this piece. Not once, not ever. And I've had it since high school. That's about eight years now. <laughs> Jesus also, in creating this message, helped me give it a name. When I was in high school, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't think of a name for it. it. It was too precious. It was too important to really figure out what it was called. And my teacher wanted to put it in a show, and so I let her pick a name for it, and she picked something like the eyes or the window to the soul. But that was not the name of this piece. It was a placeholder. The name of this piece is the name of my message, Prince of Peace, P-I-E-C-E. It's the Prince of Your Peace, both peace. You see, each of these pieces represents us. None of them are the same. None of them are cookie-cutter perfect. And I promise that none of these pieces started off like this. Nobody created a mold in this shape and cast it. But it came to me broken. Now, there were some pieces that I broke because I really wanted them to fit in there. I loved the color of them. Um, there was just something about the way that it looked. And I just wanted it in my piece. And so there was some breaking that I did. But in general, all of these pieces came to me like this. And I used every one of these pieces to create the image of Jesus' eyes. Now, what you likely can't see from where you're sitting is that the pupils are made of mirrors instead of colored glass. I wanted whoever would look into these eyes to see themselves. They may not have known, but they were actively being in Jesus' eyes. If you come and stand up and look at this, you're in Jesus' eyes. If you've looked at this once, you're in Jesus' eyes. You can leave and come back, and you'll still see yourself there. No matter what happens, Jesus sees you. You might be piecing this together yourself. See what I did there? <laughs> I'm clever. Um, but <laughs> where we are these pieces of glass, we are called to do this in Ephesians. 
We are called to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You might not feel like a fragrant offering or a sacrifice. There may be pieces of you that have since broken off that you withhold from him. You may look at this mosaic and maybe you even feel a little ashamed. Like you couldn't possibly be part of something like this. But it's not because of the things you have done right that you have a place here. In 2 Corinthians 12.9, Paul says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. God wants you. He wants all of you. He doesn't look at you and see your sin. He doesn't look at you and see your shortcomings. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, God looks at you and he sees opportunity. And he awaits an invitation from you. He isn't going to snatch you up or sneakily take you away in the middle of the night. He is brazen enough to wait in silence and anticipation for you to hand over your peace. He doesn't wait knowing that you're going to come, nor that you're going to deny him. He's simply hopeful, and he is patient. There's another bit of symbolism I would like to share with you. The Trinity is also represented in this mosaic. As I previously stated, Jesus is the mortar. It's, it's what's holding these pieces together. It's what's holding the pieces together to be unified. The Holy Spirit is represented in the glass of the original window that reinforces the pieces from behind. You can't see it through these pieces of glass, but it is most definitely there. Without the Holy Spirit, it might stay together for a little while, but it's more important than just knowing that it's there. And the final component is the frame, which is representative of God, the Father. He shows us off to the world and frames us with his love. Alone, our pieces feel out of place and purposeless, but when we are held together by Jesus, we fit in perfectly. He has a place for us. We don't have to force our way in. We don't have to break off more of ourselves to fit. If we offer up to God whatever it is we have left, he will take it and use it. God wants us to embody his love for his kids. The reason we are meant to be like Christ is not to see ourselves. These pieces of glass can't look from the outside to see what it looks like. We're meant to look like Jesus for the rest of the world. We're meant to look like Christ so those who have not offered their peace to him would know what it is to be loved by him. 
And you don't have to do anything but give Jesus your peace and give him your yes. He doesn't ask us to jump through hoops, and he doesn't want us to change to be his because we already are his. And in surrendering our peace to Jesus, it isn't a one-and-done thing. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment surrendering. But the more we surrender and submit, the more we look like Jesus. There are so many broken pieces in the world that just keep breaking. They don't know that the things they are going through don't change who they are and were made to be. It's our job as ambassadors of Christ to relay the truth of his love. He wants them. He wants your coworker and he wants your neighbor. He wants your friends and your family. He wants every kid at your school and he wants every person on your block. He wants your kids and your parents. He wants the person who delivers your mail. He wants the person who serves you your coffee. He wants the kid who shovels your driveway. His masterpiece, this representation of Christ, isn't something we get to see on this side of heaven. That's why it's so easy to pass up the opportunities to show this to strangers. But Jesus wants everyone in this mosaic. He wants all his kids in his masterpiece. No matter the addiction, no matter the age, no matter the background, he isn't checking socioeconomic status or grades. He will take every piece, big or small, purple or green, no matter the transparency, he wants you. So... As we close for the evening, um, I just want to offer that this message, um, as much of a joy as it is to share with you, is also a challenge to show people who Jesus is, show the people around you who Jesus is, the people who know him and the people who don't. And I just hope that not just this year, but every moment that we get to live, we get to look like this. All right, so we're going to go ahead and pray. Um, But, yeah, Um, I'll pray real quick, and then Carly's going to have some prayer as well. So, Jesus, I just thank you so much that you love us enough to put us together. Lord, that this is a community of people who love you, and I just pray that you help us to start to look more and more like you. And Jesus, when we aren't seeing it and when we aren't feeling it, Jesus, help us to surrender the peace uh, that we've been holding on to. And Jesus, I just thank you again so much for this opportunity and for this time. Um, Jesus, we pray all of these things in your name.